Masechet Pesachim has been dedicated by Mr. Ike J. Shehebar in honor of his grandparents, Mr. Ike and Jeanette Bibi. We bless Mr. Ike Shehebar, who's been a sponsor of the Dafyomi for many uh, days. They should continue to enjoy success, health, and happiness. May his grandparents also enjoy much nachat from him as well as all their grandchildren, and may they only share in Simachot for the entire family. Amen. Daf Yud Gimel. Today's Daf has been dedicated by Mr. Sam Dom in honor of the Rabbi to Mitzvot Sam. Today's Daf is being studied by Ilun Shmat, Hakam Baruch Rifael Ben Miriam, and Avraham Ben Esther. Ruach Hashem Tanihem Began Eden Amen. Today's daf is also being studied the Alunishmat Benu Yitzhak Kaduri Ben Tufecha Ruach Hashem Tanihenu Began Eden Amen. We are beginning on Daf Yud Bet Amud Bet and we are going to start one, two, three, four, five lines from after they get wide. Starting from Amar Rav Asher. Now let's just review for a moment what we studied yesterday. We go back to our Mishnah. We learned a mahlokit between Rabbi Meir and Rabbi Yehuda regarding the burning of the Hametz. Both rabbis agree that we have to be concerned. We are not going to allow people to have Hametz in their possession until the seventh hour when it becomes forbidden from the Torah. We are going to preempt it. The question is, how much so? Rabbi Meir says, we're going to push it back an hour. Instead of burning it in the seventh hour from the Torah, we want you to get rid of it in the sixth hour. Where is, and until that point, it's permissible to eat the hamitz. Meaning in the fourth hour, in the fifth hour, it's permissible to eat the hamitz according to Rabbi Meir. One hour early, you have to burn it. Whereas according to Rabbi Yehuda, he said, no, we allow you to eat the hametz in the fourth hour, and already from the fifth hour, hametz becomes asur. You don't have to burn it yet, but you have to stop eating. So he preempts it two hours early. Now, that was by hametz. If you remember, we also brought down those same rabbis uh, with their opinion in Masichet Sanhedrin, regarding the acceptance of edut, witnesses. And the Gemara also said that we are concerned that the witnesses are not going to be accurate on their time, when they give the time of the crime, and therefore we give them a certain amount of leeway. Uh, For example, according to Rabbi Meir, uh, according to the way Rabbah interpreted it, we actually say that the witnesses can make a two-hour mistake, or up to a two-hour uh, mistake uh, in times. Whereas, according to Bihuda, it was close to three hours that they can make a mistake. So the Gemara says, Just like we have a mahluket by Aidut, that the witnesses are not going to be accurate in the time, <coughs> and therefore they can make a mistake. So have the same mahlokit by Hametz. That what? The rabbis were also concerned that they might make a mistake. Rabbi Meir was concerned one hour. Rabbi Yehuda was concerned two hours, which is consistent with their opinions in Sanhedrin by the cases of the testimony. So the Gemara says, Pshita, well it's obvious. Which means, what are you telling me? Of course, Rabbi Meir, who's Hoshesh, one hour by Hametz. So he's the opinion that's Hoshesh, that witnesses make less of a mistake in hours. Meaning he only says they make a mistake up to two hours. And whereas Rabbi Yehuda by Hametz that said, we're concerned that there might be a two hour mistake, that's why he's Osir Hametz already from the fifth hour. So he also is Mahmir by the Idut, that he also is possible that what? The witness could make a three hour mistake. So the Gemara says, Pshita, Hayu Hagda 
What do you mean? We we explained this already. What do you tell me? That was yesterday's whole piece. Trying to explain that the opinions are consistent. The says, We're coming to teach you that the answer that we gave above, Shinuyahu. It is a legitimate answer. And don't say that it's a mahlukat tanaim. Which means like this. I could have argued and said like this. Granted, you're telling me that Rabbi Meir, he pushes back the time of Hametz by one hour. So that means he's concerned you might make a mistake. One hour from the seventh hour. So he brings it back to the sixth hour. By Aidut we said, he says a person can make a mistake up to two hours. So therefore you might have said, no, maybe it's a mahlukat tanaim. Maybe the rabbi of the Mishnah that interprets the Bimi'ir, and the rabbi of Sanedin that interprets the Bimi'ir, maybe they're two different tanaim, because here the mistake is one hour by Hametz, and by Aidud he gives you two hours. And I'll say the same thing according to Rabbi Yehuda. Rabbi Yehuda said by Hametz a person can make a mistake of two hours, but by Aidud we said up to three hours. So the Gemara is coming to tell you no. It's the same to be Meir, it's the same to be Yehuda. It's not a mahlukit tanaim, one by Hametz and one by Sanedin. Oh, so the question is, <clears throat> why by Hametz, for example, are we concerned that you'll tell me you'll go from the seventh hour and you'll go all the way back to the fifth hour? Which means by Aidut, we didn't say such a thing. Because by Aidut, the seventh to the fifth, the sun is in different parts of the sky. And therefore, why would the opinion that said, by, for example, the Behuda by Hametz, that says, if you said in the seventh hour, what's going to happen? You said in the seventh hour, <coughs> which is the time of Yisud Deoraita, we have to suspect that he might think it's the fifth hour. And then we have to assert Hametz from already 10 o'clock. We didn't say that by Aidut. By Aidut we say for sure no one's going to make a mistake between where the position of the sun is. No, we answer that. Hametz is different. Either because Hametz misurah lakol, because since Hametz, everybody is obligated to take out the Hametz and you can't trust people. Witnesses, they're more alert. They're coming to testify. They're watching where the sun is. They're already cognizant of that. But Hametz, even the one that's mekel uh, by Hametz will be mahmir by well, that's mahmir by Hametz uh, uh, can be mekel by witnesses because you're following the sun. All we said yesterday, we're worried about a human meunan. We're worried about a cloudy day. By Hametz, it's quite possible it's going to be cloudy. You're not going to know exactly what time it is, and you could make such a mistake. And therefore, so even though by Aidut, uh, let's say we're not going to say witnesses will make a mistake between the seventh hour and the fifth hour, but by Hametz, indeed, it is quite possible because we're worried in a case where it's a cloudy day, etc. So all the Gemara is saying at this point is the rabbis, the Bimeiru, the Yehuda, by Hametz, they're the same the Bimeiru, the Yehuda, by Aidut, even though. The hours might be different, where here is only Hoshesh one hour by Hametz, and there is Hoshesh two hour mistake, and here the Behuda is Hoshesh two hours by Hametz, and there is Hoshesh three hours. It's the same exact, but look, Hametz has different dynamics, and that's why we, we say that uh, the, uh, their respective she taught. Comes the Gemara and continues. Amar of Shimi Bar Lo Shanu Ela Bisha'ot. This is only talking about that we said in Sanhedrin is what that we're talking about hours after the sunrise. But if somebody comes along and says, I saw the crime before the sunrise, and the other witness comes along and says, I saw it after the sunrise, you throw out this testimony. Because it's obvious. Before sunrise, after sunrise, you, 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 you don't make a mistake like that. You, you see, before the sun was up and after the sun was up. Such a testimony is too diverse. And therefore, we throw it out the girls of Pshita. That's obvious. So the Gibraltar adjusts it. The Gibraltar says, no. One witness says that the crime took place before sunrise, and the other says during sunrise. Uh, so that's already a little uh, closer, but still the Gibra says, you throw it out. And the Gibra says, you know what? Hainami pshita. That's also pashut. Because bottom line, there's a difference between before sunrise and during sunrise. It's obvious. And therefore, what do you need to give it out? Tell me, one guy says the crime took before sunrise, says before the sun even started to go up, and one guy says during the sunrise. 
Well, it's obvious, it's two different times, and since witnesses should be cognizant of that, if one guy says before sunrise and during sunrise, you have to be suspicious. And therefore, we throw, we throw the witnesses out. You have to tell me that, well, it's obvious. So the Gemara says, no. Because I would have thought when one says I saw it before sunrise and one says I saw it during sunrise could be they're really referring to the same time could be they're trying to say one thing and the guy that said that he saw the crime during the sunrise he saw the uh, the little rays, uh, the little light that comes up before the sunrise. And it's just like a glow he's seeing, the haza. And therefore could be, he also meant before sunrise. He just said during sunrise because uh, he got mixed up. You know, he saw some rays that were, you know, coming out of the sky like before the sunrise. So if I would have thought when a guy says, oh, I saw it before sunrise. Another guy comes, I saw it during. Yeah, I say maybe it's, it's the same thing. He only said during because he's getting confused by some of the, you know, the pre-sun rays that come up. No, you don't make such a mistake. And even if one said before sunrise and one said during, you throw it out. They're supposed to know that difference. And if they don't know that difference, something is fishy over here. And therefore, it's a hidush that even in such a case you throw out the testimony. Comes the Gemaran, continues, Amar Rav Nachman, Amar Rav. Halakha, Rabbi Yehuda. Okay, we got to this point. Halakha follows Rabbi Yehuda, meaning that the latest time to eat the hametz is in the fourth hour. And after that, the fifth hour already, you must stop. So Rabbah tells Rav Nachman, Why didn't you say that Allah follows Rabbi Yehuda? Why didn't you say that Allah follows Rabbi Meir? Why should he say that Allah follows Rabbi Meir? Why is Rabbi Meir better? Because we have a Mishnah. And we have a rule when it comes to Mishnayot. Whenever you have an anonymous Mishnah, it means a Mishnah that the uh, Gemara does not tell us the author of it, that's called the Stam Mishnah. And the law is you always follow the Halakha like a Stam Mishnah. And we have a Stam Mishnah that follows Rabbi Meir. So therefore you should have said Halakha like Rabbi Meir. Where is this Stam Mishnah? We have a Mishnah. Kol le'echol. Any hour that it is permissible to eat Hametz, Ma'akhil, he can also feed it to his animals. Now let's analyze. We have a clear Mishnah that's telling you, when you can eat, you can feed the animals. Now clearly this cannot be Rabbi Yehuda, because according to Rabbi Yehuda, let's read um, the top Rashi, please. V'nema l'achak Rabbi Meir, because we have a Tana that follows on. Astam Tana. Any hour it's permissible for you to eat. You can feed also the animals. The, the implication is the opposite, right? That in a time where you can't eat, which is mashma, you and your animals go together. If you can eat, you give to the animals. If you can't eat, you can't give to the animals. Oh, stop right there. It cannot be the Biyuda, this Mishnah. Because if you remember what the Biyuda said, he said in the fifth hour, you can't eat, but you can give to the animals. Mm-hmm. When the Biyuda said in the Mishnah, Tolin, Tolin meant, yeah, you have to suspend. You cannot eat, but you can still feed the animals. So therefore we have a clear Mishnah that must be going like Rabbi Meir. That's telling you what? That even in the fifth hour, you could eat, give the animals as well. So that's a Stam Mishnah. Since it's a Stam Mishnah, Rav Nachman should have ruled like it. It's not a Stam Mishnah. You're learning the Mishnah wrong. This Mishnah is not to be Meir. Mishum Dekashya Mutar. The Gemara later on is going to tell us in this Mishnah, the Mishnah's language was Kol Ma'akhil. Any time it is permissible to eat, you're able to feed. You can give to your animals. The Mishnah's word mutar, the Gemara deems to be extra. Why? What should have the Mishnah said? If the Mishnah wanted to teach us what we just said, it would have said Kol 
ma'akhil. Anytime you can eat, you can feed. From the fact that it said, called sha'ashimutar le'echol, ma'akhil. Anytime it is permissible to eat, ma'akhil you give to, 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 to feed to the animals. What is that referring to? So that she tells us. Let's read that she, please. Bishum de kasha mutar. Which is later on, it just should have said, anytime you can eat, you can feed three animals. Umutar, that word mutar, mashma, kol mutar adam aher leechol. So we're talking about two different people. Anytime it's permissible for another person to eat chametz, ma'achil zeh, another person, asul leechol, is able, who's forbidden to eat, can feed these animals. This is what it means, the Mishnah. Anytime the Kohen can eat the Terumah, the Israel can feed his animals. This is not going like Rabbi Meir. Because now we're learning a, a new interpretation of this Mishnah. What is the Mishnah telling us? Anytime it is permissible to eat, for who to eat? Not Israel to eat. A Kohen to eat. <coughs> Meaning, if you remember Rabban Gamliel's opinion in our Mishnah, Rabban Gamliel said, Kohanim can eat their Terumah even in the fifth hour. That was Rabban Gamliel's opinion. So this Mishnah is subscribing to that opinion and it's saying, Oh, in that fifth hour that I told you that the Kohanim can eat, you should know the guy who's Asur to eat, who's that? That's the Israel. Well, he can feed his animals. So that is not the opinion of Rabbi Meir. Whereas Rabbi Meir says in the fifth hour, everybody can eat. Kohanim, Yisraelim, no problem. Terumah, Hulin. So therefore, uh, Rabbi Nachman says, you ask me, I should have been posik like this Mishnah, this Stam Mishnah? Yeah, it might be a Stam Mishnah, but it's not like Rabbi Meir. It's like Rabban Gabriel. So leave me alone. I don't have to posek like uh, this Mishnah. Tosfot incidentally asks, okay, fine. So it's not a Bimiyiri. You have a Stam Mishnah like Rabban Gabriel. <laughs> so you should be posek like Rabban Gabriel. Right, Tosfot answers what he answers. But the point is, Rabban Nachman is posek halakha kerebi Yehuda. So let's review quickly. The Gemara started off, Rabban Nachman says, what? Halakha kerebi Yehuda. The Gemara says, hey, we have a Stam Mishnah like Rabban Gabriel. Gemara's answer? No. That Stam Mishnah is not like Rabbi Meir. It's like who? Rabbi Gamliel. And what it says in the Mishnah means, At the time that it's permissible for the Kohen to eat, Mutar Kohen it is permissible for the Israel to feed his animals, implying there's a time that a Kohen is Mutar and Israel is Asur. That's the opinion of Rabbi Gamliel. So the Gemara says, I'm going to ask another question. <clears throat> Do you remember we learned in the previous Masikhtot the principle of the Makhriya? What is that? Whenever you have a Mahloket amongst two rabbis, and they're arguing on uh, different points, and a third rabbi comes along, and he sides with one rabbi in one case, and he sides with another rabbi in the other case, so he's what we call a makhriya, he tips the scale. Which means, if you take his opinion and you join it with, you know, one of the other two, that's two against one. So normally the rule is, halakha kedivreh ha-makhriya. The halakha usually follows that opinion, the one that tips the scales. Now let's review here. Rabban Gamliel and our Mishnah seemingly is a makhriya. What do you mean he's a makhriya? Well, let's analyze for a second. According to... Uh, Rabbi Yehuda Hametz is forbidden Once the fifth hour comes Right? All sorts of Hametz Whether it's Terumah Whether it's Hulin You can't eat Well Rabban Gabriel came along And said no 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 I argue on you I hold that what? Terumah you can eat In the fifth hour Also he was siding with Rabbi Meir like that Because Rabbi Meir says you can eat Terumah in the fifth hour so therefore he tipped the scale in that favor. Well, <clears throat> the Bangam Liel also said, however, that regular Hametz for Yisrael is Asur in the fourth hour. Oh, so in that case he went like Rabbi Yehuda. So he tipped the scale in that side. So therefore he's taking Rabbi Yehuda Ligabe regular Hametz, fourth hour. He's taking Rabbi Meir Ligabe Tiruman, the fifth hour. Oh, so he's a Makhriya. So he should take the Halakha like the Makhriya. 
Different, different question. So the Gemara says, Amale Rabban Gamli, Amale Rabban Gamli Lav Machriyahu. I'm sorry to tell you, Rabban Gamli is not considered a Machriyah. Ta'am de Nafshe Ka'amar. He's saying his own opinion. What do you mean he's not a Machriyah? <coughs> so there's different interpretations why this is not considered a case of Machriyah. <coughs> the easiest interpretation why he's not a Machriyah, because historically, Rabban Gamliel came first. Usually a Machriyah is the third opinion, meaning he heard the two opinions before him, and then he comes along and says, well, I side like him in one and I side like him in the other. But that's only if historically he comes last. Historically, the Bangal was the first of these rabbis. He came before Rabbi Yehuda and before Rabbi Meir. You can't call him a Machriyah. He didn't have opinions that he was balancing when he said it. Therefore, he's not a Machriyah. Or, according to Nashi, you know why he's not a Machriyah? Because... Let's be honest for a second. When the Biyuda said, you could eat hamas the whole fourth hour. And the Biyimi'ir said, you could eat up to the sixth hour. Did any of them make a difference between Hulin and Tiruma? In their statements, the words Hulin and Tiruma did not come up. Therefore, since they did not mention the words Hulin and Tiruma, so to call the Bagel Makriya to say, well, in Hulin, I go like the Buddha, the fourth hour. In Tiruma, we never mentioned the words Hulin and Tiruma. So therefore, you can't call a, a, a person a Makriya if, if the opinions that he's balancing did not even mention the, the topic that you're being Makriya. So therefore, he's not a Makriya, and therefore what? Comes out, Halakha is going to be according to Rabbi Nachman again, like Nabi Yehuda. So basically, Gabriel had two questions. Number one, how come you don't go like a Stab Mishnah? No, that Stab Mishnah is a Bagabliya. Good. How come you don't go like a Bagabliya? Because he's a Makriya. He's not a Makriya. Okay. They're challenging Rabbi Nachman here. <coughs> or another answer. Rav. Right, that original statement was Amar Rav Nachman Amar Rav So the Gemara says Rav De Amar Ki Hai Tana Rav found another Tana that supports him That goes like the Behuda Now De Tani Because we have a Braita Arba Asar Shehal Yod B'Shabbat Here's the case The 14th fell out on Shabbat It's Erev Pesach fell out on Shabbat Mevaharin Itakon Mefnei Shabbat Well obviously you have to burn all the Hamids on Friday You can't burn the Hamids on Shabbat V'Sorfin Terumot Temeot you have to burn on Friday all the tirumah that was tameh. Well, certainly, there's no use for it. You have to burn it. Tiluyot, you also have to burn all the tirumah that's safek. That you don't know whether it's tahor or tameh. That's called tiluyot. It's pending. Well, you got to get rid of it before Pesach. So you got to burn it on Friday. Vetehorot. And you even have to burn the tirumah tehorah. You have no choice. Pesach is coming. You can't burn it on Shabbat. So you have to burn again. Tirumah teme'ah. Tiruma Tiluya and even Tiruma Tehora all gets burnt on Friday. But <coughs> you have to leave enough food. Now obviously we're talking about Tiruma food because I guess this is a family of Kohanim. You have to save enough food for two Saudot. For Friday night's meal and for Shabbat morning. In order that you can eat your meal until the End of the fourth hour. Devre Rabbi El Azar ben Yehuda Ish Bartota Shamar Mishum Rabbi Yoshua. Ah, so you see a clear Mishnah over here of this rabbi called Rabbi El Azar ben Yehuda. What is he saying? That you're allowed to save your food enough for two meals, but when could you eat the meal on Shabbat until the fourth hour? Who's that? That's like Rabbi Yehuda. So therefore, Rav. In the name of Rav Nachman, of Rav Nachman, in the name of Rav, that said that Al-Khazak was because he had a Mishnah over here as well, that says what? That indeed, Hametz is only forbidden until the fourth hour. Now, a side question, how come you don't save three Se'udot? On Shabbat, when you have to have three Se'udot? Well, it's obvious, because when the time of Se'udah Shilishid comes, already Hametz is forbidden. So therefore, you only save two. So the Gemara says, Amrullah. They tell Rabbi Al-Azhar, Tehorot lo yisrifu. You're saying what? You should burn all the Tirumat Torah on Friday. Right? And only save the minimum amount that you need, meaning two Se'udot. Why should you do that? Maybe you'll have guests. Who knows? Maybe some Kohanim guests are going to show up for Shabbat. 
And therefore, instead of burning terumat teora, you see, we don't like to burn terumat teora. It's Kodesh. If, we, if we're able to eat it, we'd rather eat it than burn it. So according to the other rabbis, they tell the Bir Hazar, what do you say that you have to burn and only leave the minimum two surot? Leave more. Maybe you'll have some guests. Amar lahen kevar bikshu velo matsu. Listen, what kind of guests are coming? They looked for guests and they didn't show up. Meaning, whoever didn't show up already from Friday afternoon, they're not coming on Shabbat. Finish. If they didn't show up, uh, you know, close to Shabbat, they're not coming. Kevar bikshu velo matsu. Yeah, they they searched for guests and they didn't show up. Amru lo shema chutz lechomat lanu. What do you mean? Maybe the guests are coming. Maybe they slept right outside the wall. And they're going to surface Shabbat morning. And just because you didn't see the guests come Friday night, doesn't mean they're not in town. Maybe they didn't get to you yet. So therefore, you should really save more Tirumat Tehora on the suspicion that guests might show up. So you know what? According to that logic, where you're always suspecting, maybe, maybe, don't even burn the questionable Tirumat. Now, what's the law that you, what do you do with questionable Tirumat? You don't know if it's Tahor or Tameh. The only thing you could do it is you have to burn it. Why can't you eat it? It might be tameh, so it's, it's pending. So when Mashiach comes, they're going to take all the tirumat teluya, and they're going to go to Eliyahu and Navi, and they're going to ask Eliyahu and Navi to make a ruling. Eliyahu and Navi obviously can decide for us what is tahor or not. So the Gemara says, according to you that suspecting. Maybe guests are going to come, and therefore you shouldn't burn the Tirumat Teorah, because, you know, maybe you'll have more eaters. So you know what, according to you, you shouldn't burn the Tirumat Teorah either. Because why? Suspect, maybe Eliyahu Navi is going to show up on Shabbat, and uh, he'll also purify them, and therefore you burn them for no reason. We already have a tradition that Eliyahu and Navi cannot come, not on Erev Shabbat, not on a Friday, and for that matter, not on Erev Yom Tov, which is the case of the Shabbat is Erev Yom Tov, today we want a holiday. Because why? It's going to be a Torah. People are going to have to go out to greet him and it's going to take away from their preparations. Point is, that's not a suspicion that Eliyahu Navi might come. You know, Eliyahu Navi can't come on those days. Avru, it's been, it was said, Nozazu Misham, Hachikavu Alachak, Rabbi Lazar ben Yehuda, Ishbar Tota, Shaman Meshum, Rabbi Yoshua. And the Gemara does say what? Indeed, Alachak, even so, is like Rabbi Lazar. That what? It is forbidden. To eat the hametz past the fourth hour. Huh? So now clearly we have a Mishnah that follows the opinion of Rabbi Yehuda. My lad, afilu lechol. Now when they said alakal like Rabbi El Azad, in which in which sense? Well, it's mashma in the sense of eating, meaning that which he said that you cannot eat hametz until after the fourth hour, which is hametz is forbidden after the fourth hour on Shabbat morning. Well, that's what they meant alakal like Rabbi El Azad. That what? That the for the isud of hametz is after the fourth hour, and then you see clearly halakha like that be Yehuda. Kamran says, "Amar Papa no proof." The halakha follows him in regard that what burning, meaning on Friday we follow the bil azar. You have to burn terumat You have to burn terumat tiluya. You have to burn terumat. Tehora, uh, and you only save two Saudot. But you know what? Regarding what he said that you can only eat to the fourth hour, we don't go like him. We go like Rabbi Meir that says you can eat, even eat it in the fifth hour. So we have no proof from this Mishnah that <coughs> we go like Rabbi Uda. So again, at this point, the Gibraltar try to say, oh, you know what? Rabbi's got a Mishnah to prove him. Got to be Azad. And Rabbi Azad says, what? You eat until the fourth hour of Shabbat morning, at Pesach. Uh, bingo, you have a proof for Rabbi Yehuda. Kabbalah says, no, no, no. Even though we said, it's not regarding his time schedule. It's regarding what you would burn on Friday. You burn all forms of tiruma. But regarding the time schedule of eating, no, we don't go like him. We could say we go like Rabbi Meir. Now the Kabbalah says, we have a friend for Rabbi Nachman. Rabbi also holds like Rabbi Nachman that what? That the halakha follows Rabbi Yehuda, that what? 
that it's going to be asur until the fourth hour. Comes again what says. Deamar Ravin Bar Rav Adam. Maase Badam Ehad. Story. There was a guy, Shefkid Diskia Milahamet Esel Yohanan Hakokaa. Okay, there was a fellow, a Jewish guy. He left as a collateral a basket of hamets by this fellow called Yohanan Hakokaa. Okay, so the guy's holding, uh, it's not his, he's holding it for somebody. He's a shomer, he's watching it for him. Yeah, a basket of hamets. Problem is, Pesach's coming. Now Pesach's coming, and once Pesach comes, this collateral is worthless. So the question is going to be over here, normally a person is holding a collateral, you have no rights to go start selling it, and go start, uh, you know, making transactions, it's not yours. But the question is, in a case where it's going to be worthless, maybe the Alaka will say, right, go retrieve as much as you can for this uh, stuff, in order, so when the guy comes back, he says, right, listen, you know, instead of giving you back nothing, uh, I saved something for you. Well, the Gemara tells us, akhbarim. <laughs> Even worse, what happened was, the, the mouse got to it, yeah, they, they bit the, uh, the basket. Oh, and now you had double things going on here. It was already close to Pesach where the Hametz is almost going to be worthless. And why you got the Hametz working now with the with the with the, the mice? So therefore, this guy Yohanan could not know what to do with this collateral. It's going to be worthless very very fast. So he came to the beaker, say, Rabbi, what do I do with this uh, collateral? Shadi Shona Amar No Hamten. That was the first hour of the day. Eight of Pesach. He says. Wait, I don't know anything yet. What was he concerned about? Well, Hametz is still permissible. Since Hametz is still permissible, maybe the guy who owns the collateral will come back. He'll take his collateral and uh, finish. Second hour he told him, wait. Third hour he told him, wait. Get on, you know, uh, pushing him off. Fourth hour, wait. Hamishit, once the fifth hour came, what did Rabbi say? Go sell it. Finish. You got to go sell it. Means you got to retrieve the guy's uh, money at least. Now, my love, the Now, when he told him to sell it, who must have been telling him he's going to sell it to? Must be meant to go sell it to Goim. Following which opinion? Rabbi Yehuda. Why? Because according to the Biuda, after the fourth hour, Jews cannot eat it anymore, right? So obviously, you can't sell it to Jews in the fifth hour. You can't eat it. You're going to put a stumbling block in front of them. Oh, so when he told them, wait, 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 that was because until that time, it was permissible, maybe the guy's going to show up. Once the fifth hour came, where now, it's going to be a suit for Israelis. You know what? You better, you better save this guy's money. Go sell it to the Goyim. So what do you see here? Rabbi must hold like Rabbi Yehuda. Amar of Yosef, so Rabbi Yosef comes and says, no, no, the Israel, he was telling him to go sell it to a Yisrael, can it be Meir? Which means he was saying, the fifth hour is still permissible, and therefore you know what, you got one more hour, go sell it to a Yisrael. So the Gemara says, Amar Abaye, Ili Yisrael, what do you mean, if Yisrael to go sell it to Yisrael, Nishkelel Nafsheh, the guy himself could eat it, which means the law says like this, Technically, the guy's holding the collateral. If he, if, if it's, if, if it's still the fifth hour and you're allowed to eat, then B should have told him, you know what? Wait. No, he would have told him, no, you eat it yourself. Mm-hmm. Which is, you eat it, you pay it back. So now, like I would say in this case, the own, the the fellows watching the collateral, eat the hamets yourself. And you know what? When the guy comes for his collateral, you say, listen, I ate it because I had no choice, and I was doing you a favor, and I'll pay you the money. Why did the B tell him to go sell it to Israel? He could have gave him the option to eat it himself. It's given us another. Mishum Hajda. We don't want that. It'll lead to suspicion. Titania, because we have a bright that it says, Let's say you have the um, the charity collectors, right? And they have a lot of money. But there's no poor people. A strange case. There's no poor people. Baruch Hashem. So they don't have anyone to give the money to. Now, they used to have copper coins. And the copper coins, they would decay. So they needed to change them for silver. So therefore, normally if there's aniyim, they get rid of them. But if there's no aniyim, now they got to make change 
in order to keep the money, uh, you know, uh, from decaying. Portin laherin. They can only make change from someone else. Ve'en portin la'atzman. But they cannot make change from their own personal money. Why? Because we don't want charity collectors to start cashing money for themselves. Because what it's going to lead to? Suspicion. Oh, the people say, oh, look at this guy here. He's making change for himself. He probably took a vig. He probably took some, you know, uh, you know, some money for it. He goes somewhere. I, I got the change from a, a third party. Oh, for that matter, gabay tamhoi. Let's say the the the, 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 those that give out food to the aniim. That's called the tamhoi. She'en them aniim nahalik. Baruch Hashem, there's no aniim for them to give it out to. Mochrin laachirim. They sell the food to others. Ve'en mochrin laatzman. They can't buy the food for themselves. Why? So the Pasuk says you have to be clean in the eyes of Hashem and in the eyes of Israel. Oh, so the Gemara is saying like this. Just like we demand from the charity collectors to be spick and span clean. We don't want anybody to say, oh, you took money. Make the change. I didn't make the change from my own pocket. I made change from somewhere else. I didn't, I didn't buy the food from the uh, charity. I, I sold it uh, to somebody else. So that for the same thing, the Gemara is saying like this. The guy had a collateral in his house of Hamiz. So he went to the B. What did the B tell him? Well, the B said, you know what? In the first hour, hold on to it. That might show up. Second hour, hold on. Third hour, hold on. Fourth hour. Fifth hour, he said, go sell it. And now the Gemara wants to say, who is he telling him to sell it to? Israel. Why? Because I tell you the B holds like Rabbi Meir. And therefore the fifth hour, go sell to Israel, no problem. So the Gemara says, what do you mean? Why do you tell him to go sell to Israel? You could have told him, eat it yourself. And you'll pay back the guy. No, that's not an option. Suspicion. The, the guy's eating the collateral. People are going to start saying, oh, look at this guy's eating a collateral, stealing. So therefore the Gemara is at this point saying, you have no proof that the bee holds like the bee Yehuda. I don't know if I can tell you the bee holds like the bee Meir. So the Gemara says, hold it. That's not so. Rabbi, you already clearly told us this story, and you told us the details of the story. And you said the story was, Clearly when you told us over the story of Yosef, you told us the details. Number one, it was to Nukhrim that they were selling it. And why were they were selling it to Nukhrim? Because it was the fifth hour, and the Israelim are Asur in the fifth hour, like the Yehuda. So therefore we conclude that Rav Nachman has a, uh, a source. Not only is he following the Yehuda of our Mishnah, but it's actually the Benu Kadosh from this story. And the fact that he told them, go sell it to a Goy in the fifth hour, must be because a Jew is forbidden. That is... That's the Gemara's conclusion on that. Now the Gemara says, side point. Amal Ravada Bar Matan Rav Yosef. Okay, we did that. Amal Rav Yosef. Keman Azda Shmata to Rabbi. This opinion of Rabbi that's letting you sell the uh, the collateral. Who's that going like? Which means it's an interesting case here. It's not your collateral. It's somebody else's. They're really giving you permission to go and sell it. So who's that following like? Kerash Bag. Like Rabbi Shmuel Gamliel. Litnan. We have a Mishnah. What does it say in the Mishnah? Let's say guy has a picadon. He has fruit. Yeah? Mm-hmm. He has fruit as a collateral. He's holding it for his friend. Even if they start to decay, the first rabbi says, don't touch them. It's not your problem. It's not your item. Leave him alone. Whereas Rabban Shimon Gamaliel says, Omer mochran bebetin. No, you can't watch your friend's items deteriorate. Go sell them. But what? With the supervision of Betty. Of course you need the supervision of Betty. We don't want the guy just to go sell them recklessly to the first guy and not get a good price. So you got to say, listen, uh, Betty, it's not my stuff. I'm trying to save it for this guy here. So do me a favor, supervise the sale. And the Kibbutz says, you know why? Because the Torah says you have to return most objects. This is also a lost object. The item is going to become ruined. And therefore what? Go help the, uh, help the guy out. Go sell. So then we want to say that what? This opinion that says, Rabbi that allowed the uh, owner, this guy Yohanan Hakoka'a, he allowed him to sell the Hametz, must be it's following the opinion of Rashbag. Since the Hametz was going to become worthless, 
had a pesah, that's it. So therefore he told him, go sell it. So we found an opinion that he's like, Rishbak. The Gibran says, no. Amalei Abayeh, Benavit Mar Aleh, Amar Abar Haram Rabi Hanan, Lo Shanu Ela Bechdeh Hesronan. This mahlokit between Hakamim and Rajbag was only talking where the fruit were having normal spoilage. Meaning, obviously fruit has a certain amount of decay, which is considered normal. The mahlok between Rajbag and the rabbis over there, whether you can sell it or not, was in a case of normal, acceptable decay. And even in that case, Rashbag said, doesn't matter. Once it starts to deteriorate, sell. Where the rabbi said, no, no, this is expected. However, but if it's more than Heslonan, meaning if it's more than normal decay, everybody will agree, even the rabbis will tell you, sell. All the most of the case of the Hametz, this is not just going to decay a little. Once Pesach comes, this stuff is totally gone. So therefore, the bee is going like everybody. Not only like Rajbag, but even the rabbis that argued on Rajbag. Because the rabbis that argued on Rajbag, they were only arguing a case of normal decay. Okay, listen, the fruit got a little spoiled, don't sell it. It's expected, the guy can give it them back as is. But even the rabbis would say, hey, listen, if it's more than normal decay, of course we would agree to sell it. All the more so in the case of the Hametz, where if you don't sell it, it's going to be totally gone. Therefore, even the rabbis would say, you can sell it. So it comes out that the bee was going like everybody. Okay, now we go back to our Mishnah. We learned in our Mishnah, what do we say in our Mishnah? We said the following. If you remember on the end of Pesach, to give the people a signal of the time uh, schedule, they exactly. They had a uh, itzteba, it's like a, uh, a teva, and they would put loaves of bread on the teva, and they would start, you know, taking some of them away. So you, you would know exactly. You took the first loaf away, hametz is asu. Take the second loaf away, uh, you got to burn it. So that was the uh, system. So the Gemara says, right? If you'll allow me, I'd like to just quote the exact quote of the Mishnah. It was two loaves of bread from the Korban Todah. Pesulot, incidentally these two loaves were Pesulot. We'll see why they are Pesulot. Okay, it was hanging on, it was lying on the table. So long as the loaves are on the table, everybody eats. One of the loaves are taken away. Then you know it's already the fifth hour. Once the second one was taken off the table, it surfing. So that was the system. Comes the Gemaran says, They would put the loaves on on top of the itzteba. Now, an itzteba is also like a like a bench it could be like like a, like a bench a table that they used to use as a bench now from this words al-gab itzteba sounds like they placed it low on the seating area of the itzteba so the Gemara says what does that mean? why would they put it on the low part of the itzteba? are they storing the bread? on the contrary they need to put it on the high place so everybody can see it so the Gemara says you're right tani al-gag ha-itzteba Learn it not on the gav of the itztiba, but the gav, the roof of the itztiba. I mean, they put it on the high spot of the itztiba in order that everybody can see it. Which is obvious. Amar Haba, side point. The Haba says, Amar Biuda, Harabayit, the Temple Mount, Satyo Kaful Haya. Satyo Kaful means they had these itztibaot, these type of benches and tables surrounding the entire perimeter of. Harabayat. I guess for people to to sit or to put things on, but it was it was doubled. It was two rows, two tiers. They went around with these istabaot, and they went around again with another around. Setio kaful. The istabaot, these uh, tables or uh, platforms that we'll call them, it was doubled. Right to support this harabayat setio kaful. Harabayat the Temple Mount. It was two tiers of these. It's the Ba'ot. Hayah. Rabbi Yudah Omer, it's the Vanitaitan Nikrit. 
they would call these items uh, instead of it's tabaot, he called them a different name. He called them it's tavanit, one row within a, another row. Okay, so he's just giving you a different name for these uh, for these items. Okay. Uh, in the olden days, the people in the marketplace used to have these in front of their stores. These it's tabaot. They used to put their uh, merchandise on it, uh, and uh, they used to sit on them, you know, waiting for customers to come. And they were indeed called etztaveniot. So he says, well, we call them etztaveniot because it's the same principle. You know, people would sit on them, or they would put stuff on them, like in this case they would put the halot on them, in order for the people to know uh, when the shahat is is. Okay, all, uh, you know, the side points. Now we get to the issue. Pesulot. Now let's analyze you know there's a, called, a korban called korban toda. Okay, the korban toda comes from you have to bring an animal first as a korban, and with the animal you bring some loaves of matzah and some loaves of hamitz. It's got both. Now, the Gemara is very clear over here. Or the Mishnah was very clear that those loaves that you put on the table come from a korban toda, but the loaves have to be pasul. So the question of the Gemara is, am I pesulot? Why does it have to be from a korban that was pasul? What was the Mishnah being so careful about that? Amar al-Harinam mitoch shayu merubot nefsanot belina. The Gemara says like this. He says, it's just a fact. Since there were so many korban todas that were brought close to Pesach, what is the korban todah? The Kohenim have to eat all these loaves. There was so much traffic of bringing korban todah that the Kohenim could not eat all the loaves of bread. Now you only get one night to eat the loaves of bread. Once that night passes, it's considered lina and they become pisulot. So the Gemara is basically saying, you know why they were pisulot? Because uh, the end of Pesach, we'll see now, was a very trafficy time for bringing these types of korbanot. So therefore, the fact be told, uh, they were pisulot because uh, you know, there's a lot of excess. You're not allowed to bring the korban todah on Pesach, obviously because of the hametz that's in it. Kamara says, Pshita, you have to tell me that. It's obvious I cannot bring a Qurban to Allah. There's Hamids. Amar of Adab Rada, Hakha, bi Yudalid Askinan. Here we're talking about the Hidush of the Gemara is that you can't even bring a Qurban to Allah, not on Pesach. That goes without saying. You can't even bring a Qurban to Allah on the 14th. Erev Pesach. Why not? Kasabar, en mi biim kadashim de beta pisul. Because. What's going to happen? If you're going to bring your korban toda on the 14th, there's no way the Kohanim are going to be able to eat all the hametz in a few hours, right? Till the, till, till the sixth hour, let's say, right? So therefore, you're bringing a korban and its bread to psul. You can't go in bringing a korban knowing that it's going to become you can't do that. So the rabbi said, not only can't you bring the korban to on Pesach, but you can't even bring it on Erev Pesach. Now I ask you, all these guys that owe korban to Adas and Meta Megdash, when are they going to bring it? Well, they'll bring it on the 13th. So the Gemara says, Oh, everybody's coming to the Meta Megdash on the 13th to get their korban to in. So therefore, since there was so much korbanot of Todah, there's going to be inevitably a lot of bread that was left over that's not going to be eaten. So therefore they would use those for the for the table. And that explains in the Mishnah why were they pisulot. Uh, okay? So that's the first opinion. Kaz Gavaran says... <coughs> now, that she does point out, that she points out that, of course, if I have the Kesherot ones, why would I put the Kesherot ones on there? I'm not going to go take things that are kesherot and leave them on the table and make them, make them pisulot. Uh, go eat them. Go get a coin. But the ones that are pisulot already, I'm not making them pasul biyadayim. I'm not putting them in a position to make them pasul. The ones that are kasher, if I put them on the table, i got to leave them there now. So I'm going biyadayim to make them pasul. So then when the Gemara says, nah, anyway, there's a lot of excess. There's a lot of pisulot. Let's put the pisulot ones on the table. So at least you're not biyadayim making them pisulot. That's the first opinion. Comes Gemara and says, "Mishum Nabi Yanai Amru Kesherot Ayu." 
Oh, he says, no. You know what? These loaves that you put on the table, they were indeed kesherot. They were, they were good. But the Mishnah calls them pesulot. Right? The Mishnah's language of the pesulot. How can Rabbi Yanai come along and say they were kesherot? So it's, which means like this. Halakha says, and this is important uh, to get clarity. There's two parts of the Qurban Todah. There's the animal, it's the Qurban, and then these loaves. These loaves, they're not really considered intrinsically kadosh until you bring the animal. I mean, they're designated, but when does the Kedushah of them kick in? Once the animal is brought. Meaning, these items are not forbidden to... They're not forbidden to eat as long as the Qur'an was not brought. If they became tameh, no problem. You can just redeem them with new ones. The, 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 the kiddushah of these items do not set in until the animal was brought. So comes the Gebran says, Shilon nishhat mazabah. You know what the case is? They're pisulot. That would have said pisulot in the Mishnah. It doesn't mean they were really pisulot. It means that what? They didn't bring the korban yet. And since they didn't bring the korban yet, well, technically, there's nothing wrong with these, the hamim over there. But since they didn't bring the korban yet, so technically they don't have yet the, the kiddushah of these, the hamim. Now, look at Rashi, please. I'll read this inside. Kesherotayu. See Rashi, kesherotayu? No, these items were not pasul. We had to burn them already. But these items over, you couldn't eat them yet. I take that back. You could not eat these loaves yet. I'll give you the case now. Okay, go on. They didn't bring the korban yet. There is kiddushah, but not the real intrinsic kiddushah. The kiddushah really kicks in only until they bring the korban the yizrok adam, and they will sprinkle the blood. The Kedushah of intrinsic Kedushah does not come until they actually bring the Qurban. Good. Until they bring the Qurban. That means intrinsic Kedushah. Until the Qurban is brought Are these loaves Kodesh? Yes But not Kodesh enough That they're going to become Pasul if they're left overnight Or let's say uh, If they became Tameh You're still able to redeem them Now once the Qurban is brought now these items can become eaten, edible. But until the Qurban is brought, these items cannot be eaten yet. So they're quasi. Also, the Gibran says, like Zavya Nai says, you know what we're talking about over here? These loaves of bread are the kashir. Why did it say pisulot in the Mishnah then? Because they're pisulot at this stage from eating them. Why are they pisulot from eating them? Because you did not bring yet the Qurban. So the Gibran says, what does that mean? Vinishhat. So go bring the Qurban. What does that mean? You didn't bring the Qurban yet. Go bring the Qurban, and then these things are 100% kashir, and therefore, why could you put them on the uh, table? You're causing them to become pasul. No. We're talking about where you lost the Qurban. Ah. Once you lose the Qurban, finished. So these items can never be eaten. So technically they're kashir, they didn't become pasul, but they're in, they're in a quasi zone. You didn't bring the Qurban. You can't bring the Qurban because you lost it. So the, those are the loaves they put on the table. They're unedible anyway. So you're really not causing them to become unedible. They're unedible on their own. So the Gibran has no answer. Let him bring another Qurban. Well, the Gibran is assuming at this point, I say, you lost this item? Then bring a different one. Gibran they can't do that. The Amar Zutoda Vizulahma. We're talking about a case where no, he said no. I'm bringing this animal. And this, these loaves, you can't switch. 
look to Rabbah, like Rabbah said, Amar Rabbah, Avad and Lechem, if you look, if let's say you lose the loaves of bread, maybe Lechem Ahir. You can always switch breads. Avdat Todah, and maybe Todah Ahir. But you can't switch the Korban. My Ta'ama, Lechem, Galal, Todah. The Todah is the main item. The Todah draws the bread. And the bread is secondary. Whenever you lost the bread, bring different ones. The end Todah Galal Lechem. However, the bread doesn't draw the korban, which means if you lose the korban, you can't uh, you can't uh, uh, bring another one. Oh, so let's go back. Let's review. Rabbi Anai is saying the following: Really, these items were kasher. Oh, they were kasher. These loaves they put on the table. So why does the Mishnah call them pasul? They're pasul because you can't eat them. Why can't you eat them? Because they didn't bring the korban yet. So once you didn't bring the Qurban, they don't have viability. Okay, good. Bring the Qurban. No, you can't bring the Qurban. Why? You lost it. Good. Bring another one. You can't bring another one. Okay, good. So that's the case. Uh, what do you mean? We learned that until they bring the Qurban, even though these items have some type of Kiddushah, this bread, you're allowed to redeem them. So why don't you redeem them for money, and now they will definitely be considered regular foods, and therefore you have no problem of taking something that's Kodesh and bringing it to Isur. Oh, so the Gebran says, you got him. Ela le'olam, I'll tell you, you're right. Shinishhat alehem azebah. I'll tell you, no, they brought the Qurban already. Vinishpach haddam. Oh, but what happened? The blood spilled. There's two parts, right? You gotta bring the Qurban, and you have to sprinkle the blood. This opinion is gonna hold that once you brought the korban, finished. These items over here are considered fully kadosh. Even though you didn't bring the, the blood, doesn't matter. They're fully kadosh. Once they're fully kadosh, you're not allowed to redeem them. Because there's no option to, to redeem them. But, but, you're not going to be allowed to eat them. Why can't you eat them? Because bottom line, you didn't speak of the blood. So again, it's like a catch-22. Reading, the fact that you brought the Qurban brings these items to full Kiddushah. Redemption is not an option anymore. Eating is not an option also because we're talking about when the blood spilled. And the Gibran says, Uchman, whose opinion is this? Can it be? The two items that matir Qurban, which is the Shaita and the Zirika, Ma'alim They can elevate the bread to be Kodesh. Even only one of the processes were done. Which is for Qurban to be valid, you need two things. You need Shahita and Zirikat Adam. But to make the bread Kodesh, you only need one of the two to give it Kiddushah. The Tanya, because we have a Braita. Those are the animals that they brought on Shavuot. Now with those animals that they brought on Shavuot, they also brought them with loaves of bread. When does the Lechem become Kodesh? At the time of the slaughtering. Ketzad, how? Shechatan nishman. Let's say you slaughtered the animals for the mitzvah. Nishman, for the sake of the korban. Vezarak daman nishman. And you sprinkled the blood for the sake of the korban. Which means you had the right kabana. Oh, kidesh alechem. Then for sure the bread becomes sanctified. Shechatan shelo nishman. Let's say you slaughtered the animal with the wrong intentions. Not for the sake of the korban. Vezarak daman shelo nishman. And you sprinkled the blood shelo nishman. No kiddush alechem. For sure, the bread is not going to become kadosh. Shechatan lishman bezarak daman shelo lishman. Let's say you slaughtered the animals for the sake of the korban, but for some reason you had a funny kohen. He sprinkled the blood with the wrong intentions. Lechem kadosh ve'eno kadosh. The bread is kadosh and it's not kadosh. What does that mean? That can be your mind. So again, this is the opinion of the B. What does the B hold? Even though you did only one of the processes. You made the shaita of the Qurban of Shavuot lishma. Oh, once you did the shaita lishma, your bread now becomes Kodesh, meaning you cannot eat it. It is considered Kedushah of the group, and therefore you cannot, you cannot redeem it as well. Finish. Aye, but I didn't bring the blood correctly. Doesn't matter. As long as one of the processes were done, the bread becomes Kodesh. Redemption is not an option. So therefore it says, Kadosh. So that she explains, Kadosh meaning, redemption is not an option, the Eno Kadosh, it's not permissible to eat. Mm-hmm. If it was Kadosh, you could eat it. 
Kadosh would mean that you brought the Qurban legitimately. Once the Qurban is brought legitimately, go eat those breads. So therefore, it's in a quasi-state. But what do you see from Rabbi? Rabbi's opinion is, so long as one of the processes were done, the lechem becomes holy in the sense that pidyon is not an option, but eating is not an option as well. And therefore, I'll say like this. That's what Avyanai was saying. You have these breads, you put them on the mizbeah. Good. You, you put them, sorry, the bread, you put them on the table. What type of bread were these? Well, they were bread from a korban todah that they brought the animal. Oh, good. If they brought the animal, everything's good. Well, not so good. Because the blood spilled. Oh, the blood spilled, doesn't matter. Since one of the processes of the Qurban was brought, these lechamim now have a status of kiddushah. Redemption to take the kiddushah off is not an option. What's the only other option? Well, you're stuck now. Because you can't eat them either. Because you didn't bring the blood. So therefore, that's the same case over here. Kabbalah says, incidentally, the for the lechem to become Kodesh, you got to have the shaita of the animal, plus the sprinkling of the blood. So at this point, again, I would say that Biyanai holds like the opinion of Rabbi, that once one of the processes were done, it is Kodesh. says, No, I can say that Biyanai is even going like Rabbi Azab Rabbi Shimon. I'll tell you the different case over here. Strange case. You made the shaita, beautiful. You even caught the blood to sprinkle it in a cup. What type of cup? Klisharit. Mm-hmm. That's the special cup that you have to catch the blood in. Vinishbach. After it went in the cup, then the cup fell. It's not that the guy was just delinquent uh, and the blood just spilled out. No, no, he caught the blood with klisharit. After he caught the blood in the klisharit, then it spilled. What's the difference according to what's the difference? So Gibran says, And the Bilazar will agree in this case over here that you know what? In such a case, it's considered enough to make the bread Kodesh. Why? Rabbi holds like his father and says like this. You caught it in the cup. It's destined to be sprinkled. For practical purposes, it's considered sprinkled. It's not like the blood just spilled on the floor. That, once the blood spilled on the floor, you only did one process, you only did shaita, the bread doesn't become Kodesh. But this case is different. This case is talking about where you started the process. How did you start the process? I caught the blood in a klisharet. Since I caught the blood in a klisharet, so already, I didn't sprinkle because it fell after. No, but it was omit. Be sprinkled, he holds a principle. Anything that's destined already to be sprinkled, halachically we consider it sprinkled. Nafkamina, in our case, back to the case of the Qurban Toda. Yeah, the Qurban Toda, you put the lehamim on the table. What type of lehamim were on the table? They were, they were kashir. Oh, but the Mishnah said they were pasul. Oh, I'll tell you what happened. You brought the Qurban. You caught the blood in klisharet. Beautiful. According to everybody, these lahabim now become Kodesh in the sense that you cannot redeem them anymore. You cannot take the Kiddushah off of them. But you cannot eat them as well. Why can't you eat them? Because bottom line, you didn't sprinkle the blood. Yes, it's considered Kodesh because you caught it. I mean, it's not like the blood fell on the ground. You actually caught it. So all opinions will say, since the process started, you were destined to sprinkle and you caught the Klisharet, it's considered Kodesh. So therefore, whether it's Rabbi or whether it's Rabbi Al-Hazar, since they caught the blood, everybody will hold. The Pidyon now is not an option. It's Kodesh. But eating is also not an option because bottom line, the blood was not sprinkled so you cannot eat these lahmet toda. And that's what it means when Avyanai said they were kesherot. Kesherot means they didn't, that they weren't overnight, left overnight. No, they weren't left overnight at all. Technically, they're still within the time. But they're pesulot technically. Pesulot means you can't eat them. Why? Because the blood wasn't sprinkled, according to all opinions. Why? Because you caught it in a cliche. Let's just conclude the Gemara. The Gemara says, Tana Meshur Rabbi Al-Azhar. New opinion. Amru Kesherotayu. Another rabbi says, no. These loaves that they put on the table were indeed Kesherot. Kesherot in the full sense. The full lina, the Qurban was brought. The blood was sprinkled. This is a new opinion now. They were Kesherot Mamash. So it comes out we have three opinions. One opinion is they were Pesulot Mamash. 
because of the traffic, so therefore they were left overnight. The second opinion is, well, they were quasi, they were kisherot, but pisherot, because the blood wasn't sprinkled. This third opinion is saying, no, they were kisherot, mamash. How? Now, so long as they're on the table, everybody can eat. When one of the loaves were taken away, then it's pending. You can't eat, but you can't burn. Once both of them were taken away, then everybody would burn. Now, burn the Hamas. Whose opinion is this? So if you look at the bottom Tosfot, Tosfot says, this is following the opinion of Rabban Gamliel. Now, if you remember Rabban Gamliel, his opinion was that in the fifth hour, you could eat Tirumah. These loaves have the status of Tirumah. Because they're, they're Kurdish, right? Oh, so therefore, he says, no problem, put these kishiro, put, put kosher ones on the table. And therefore what? So long as they're on the table, what? You can eat. Correct? You take off uh, one of them, now you have to stop eating regular food, but you can still eat, you can still eat in the fifth hour, tiruma, and for that matter you can still eat these halot over here. Oh, once they took off the last one, then already even Tiruma becomes Asur. So Tosfot says that is following the opinion of... Which means, when would they take off the last one? Interesting, Tosfot says like this. These are all Kodesh now, right? Well, Rabbi Gamliel says, fifth hour, you're okay. So you know what they would do? They would take off the first loaf, they would eat it. That would be a signal, okay, Hulin, you have to stop. That would be the fourth hour. At the end of the fifth hour they would take the other loaves off, but close to the end of the fifth hour, what would they do? They would eat it. So therefore, these loaves never became pasul. Which is, you, you weren't causing loaves of Kodesh to become pasul. Which means, they wouldn't wait till the sixth hour to take it off. Right? At the 10.58, they would take it off the table, ingest it, eat it, Oh, you can eat to remind the fifth hour. So therefore, there was no problem. Last point. Someone else says, Tanya, we have a bright Abba Shaul Omer. Abba Shaul says, He says, there were two cows that used to plow on Harazetim, on Mount of Olives. They didn't plow every day on Mount of Olives. Only on Erev Pesach, they used to have the Siman. And what was the purpose? So long as everybody would see these two cows plowing, everybody would say, oh, it's still permissible to eat. They would take one cow away. They would know, oh, already it's the fifth hour. You can't eat, but it's pending. Right? The Biudah's opinion. You don't eat, but you don't burn. Once already the second animal was Take it away. Then everybody knew that what? It's time to burn. So he had a different version. Instead of putting the... I guess this was the time when there was no halot. Right? When there was no Beta Mikdash. So he needed another uh, signal. What was the signal? He had the cows grazing on. Amen.